0: You're listening to This Week in Japan, the show that brings you the most trending news stories and cultural insights from Japan. Today is September 11th and we're coming to you live from Leppongi, Tokyo. I'm your host Julian Demantsky and joining me as always is my co-host and founder
1: of Ryu Tokyo, Yasuharu Matsuno. Hey guys, welcome back. So, the aircon in my bedroom just broke down last night. Oh, really? Yeah, I had a difficult time sleeping. It's probably because I've been using it all the time this summer.
0: Yeah, mine's been on non-stop for like four weeks, maybe. Uh,
1: it's just, it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, don't worry. I'm ready to get into this week's news. So, let's get started. Good to hear it. So, in this episode,
0: we're going to be discussing the following big news stories. Tokyo's curfew is lifted for bars, actor Yusuke Iseya is arrested for possession of marijuana, a plane is forced to land when a passenger refuses to wear a mask, Japan's biggest New Year celebration prepares for no audience for the first time ever, and the proper way to eat onigiri sparks up a heated debate online. Next week, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government is expected to lift the curfew, which previously asked establishments that serve alcohol, to close by 10pm. This will include karaoke bars and snack clubs. Recently, Tokyo has seen a downward trend in the number of new coronavirus cases, and the virus alert was even lowered to level 3 out of 4 this Thursday. Level 4 meant that the infections are spreading. This Monday, the number of cases dropped down to 77, the lowest number seen since July, and the first time to break under 100 in two weeks. Nevertheless, Tokyo remains the area with the highest concentration of cases by far in Japan, with 22,400 cases reported as of this Thursday. Governor Koake has reminded citizens to remain vigilant of a possible resurgence of cases. That being said, the central government is looking to include the Tokyo area into its domestic travel subsidy. The capital city was originally not included in order to prevent a rapid spread of infections, but residents in the area may soon be able to enjoy discounted domestic travel rates from as early as October 1st. Yeah, so this curfew was imposed around May time, um, at which point it was like its highest level. Yeah, originally. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. it went down, and mm-hmm. then it we went back up again. Mm-hmm. And now it's back down. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I'm kind of wondering like, what's the point of putting a time limit on going out in the evening if you can still go out in the evening? It seems a bit stupid.
1: Yeah, I initially <laughs> thought so. You know, I, I had the exact same thought. Mm. But when I went out for uh, drinking with my. Friends, Mm. uh, recently, I noticed that um, if a restaurant is closing by like 10 p.m., your last order is like uh, 9.30 or even like 9 p.m., right? So, fully enjoy the like eating out, like drinking experience. Sure. Like such a limitation deters you to go out and drink in the first Mm. place. Because let's say if you start uh, drinking from like 7 or 8, 8pm, then you can only enjoy the time for a couple of hours, Mm. right? So then maybe you just you know decide to stay at home or invite your friend Mm. to your apartment.
0: Oh yeah, okay. I mean that's kind of the thought that I had anyway but I guess they never really mentioned that or I don't know, no one ever really said it, right? Yeah. But that was the only logical explanation I could think for doing such a Mm. thing. So before I think when it was more severe, right? uh, There was a limit that was 8pm yeah. yeah and that basically made the bars just pointless right because if most people finish at like 6 or 7 o'clock from work yeah they're thinking like well, what's the point maybe you get like one one beer and like a quick <clears> snack <throat> or something <throat> and then throat> go throat> home right <throat>
1: mm-hmm. which
0: I'm sort of like you know there's a lot of guys who like probably want to even if it's one beer they'll go for the beer right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. but you know on top of like having to wear the masks and all the extra like precautions mm-hmm. and the distancing mm-hmm. and stuff mm. probably just makes it seem very unappealing It doesn't make me wonder though, because I I was actually out with some friends the other day and the friend that I was with, we went to this bar and he knew, he was school friends with the guy who owned the bar and it got to 10pm and uh, my friend said to the the barkeeper, like, oh, you are going to be closing now. And he was like, oh, no, no, it's fine. You know, so like, I think there wasn't, there wasn't many people in the bar that weren't in our group, but because like my friend knew the bar owner, he just stayed open anyway. Mm. Past 10 p.m., I guess it's not like a government enforceable rule, is it? These kind of
1: curfews, right? But in principle, if you operate after 10 p.m., then you won't be able to uh, apply for the subsidy, mm. which I believe is about like Nichiren or 200,000 yen per month. Oh, okay, which is not like that significant, mm. yeah. If you own a you know successful like restaurant business, mm. then you probably earn a lot more by not following the rule. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know you don't want to make a bad impression towards your customers. Yeah. I so so yeah. yeah, like yeah, I think I think it's a very difficult like balance. So about this uh, go to travel campaign, mm. um, I'm sure many of you may know uh, what this is. But it's basically a program where the government subsidizes your expenses for uh, travels within Japan. Uh, I believe up to 35%. But Tokyo was excluded from the campaign because we had high number for the last couple of months. Mm, yeah. And uh, Koike-san, the governor of Tokyo, demanded the minister of economy, uh, Nishimura-san, mm. that... I mean, he, Nishimura-san is the guy who's in charge of the go-to-travel campaign. Right. And she demanded uh, that when the government includes Tokyo as part of the campaign from October, mm. make sure that the percentage for the subsidization be higher than 35%. Right, okay. And you know the logic? I guess because we missed out on some of that time. Yeah. Right. And citizens of Tokyo are paying the equal taxes, basically. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, makes sense, I guess.
0: Logically, but but at the same time, like. I think, like, you just, I don't know, I don't care. Like, you know, like. Yeah, me neither. But the reason that we all pay equal taxes is is that, like, it's fair, right? Because, like, bad things don't always happen to everybody. So, like, you could say, like, oh, yeah, Tokyo pays the same amount of tax. Like, we just had a typhoon, right? Down in, like, Kyushu. And, you know, it wasn't the worst we've seen in recent history, but, like, Mm. four people died and many homes were destroyed. You know, but Tokyo doesn't have to deal with that kind of stuff, right? But you don't see people down in Kyushu being like, "Oh, you know, we we want more, we, we want to pay less less tax, or whatever." That seems a bit stupid.
1: Yeah, so I also find this uh, demand from Koiki-san a bit irrational mm. because, as you're saying, it also has a lot to do with like uh, psychology. You know, right? Uh, people in the in the countryside, you know, non Tokyo residents like residents of Tokyo are kind of like spreading the, the virus, right? Yeah, yeah. And even though the numbers are much lower now, they still have that like strong impression, mm. you know? So even if Tokyo will be included in the go to travel campaign, I'm not sure uh residents of Tokyo will be welcomed by uh people from other areas.
0: Mm, yeah, I think so. So let's move on to our second story of the week. Japanese actor Yusuke Iseya was arrested this Thursday, September the 8th, for the possession of cannabis at his home in Tokyo. He is well known for numerous acting roles, including that of popular manga swordsman Rudoni Kenshin and Jotaro Kujo from the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure live-action movie. The 44-year-old actor has admitted to the charges, saying that the marijuana in his home was for personal use. Iseya was suspected of having around 8 grams of weed in his home, but after police conducted a search, they found four bags of cannabis that totaled over 20 grams. The estimated street value in Japan is around 120,000 yen, or $1,100. Hiseya admitted to being a frequent user despite clearly understanding the Japanese law. He is expected to face full charges and could be facing a potential fine of over 500 million yen. It would be the highest fee ever paid by an entertainer. So I guess this is his
1: career, he's just finished now. Um... Yeah, I mean, it should be over, you know, uh, in in principle. <laughs> but I've seen some people on Twitter mm. uh, and, like, other places online yeah, saying that, oh, now, you know, marijuana should be, like, really legalized in, in Japan or something. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was kind of, like, unexpected, you mm-hmm. know. He, he did commit a crime, right? Of but course, yeah. Like, I've seen, like, such comments more than usual. Mm. And it's probably because he's been a very popular actor.
0: Sure, yeah. So
1: he's got many supporters, too.
0: Yeah, I think that's always the case when, like, there's a particular crime, whether you agree with it or not. Mm -hmm. And so let's say in this, you know, in this example, it's uh, smoking weed. Like, it's the uh, the personality of the perpetrator Mm. usually reflects in, like, the people's outrage, like, for him or against him. Because mm. he was a bad person who smokes weed. They're like, oh, yeah, just send him to jail forever. But, mm. then, you know, if it's a favourable actor mm. and you know, I mean, he's got, like, a lot of fans and he's got a successful career, mm. then it seems to, like, diminish his behaviour right? In, in, like, in the eyes of his fans, you know? Mm. But I always feel like the, the punishment really outweighs the crime in these kind of cases.
1: Yeah, I see what you mean, but... I just don't uh, trust someone who intentionally uh, breaks a law in Japan. Mm. I mean, I I think uh, smoking weed in the US where it's uh, legalized and smoking weed in Japan where it's illegal Mm. is a totally different story, Mm. you know. And it's for him, like uh, allegedly he's been smoking for many years, like 20 years. Mm. So to to break the law, like, you know, for such a long term, continuously kind of shows his uh true personality i think
0: i guess so yeah so for you it's not so much about the act of smoking weed or like the you know consumption of drugs mm. but it's more of like just breaking the law
1: yeah i i see that aspect of the problem more seriously mm. i um, can understand that Yeah, if it's just about like drugs mm. it's like uh, his or her like personal like problem, sure, right yeah. Uh it's still illegal, but yeah, he's been paying money to those like drug dealers in Japan, mm. and drugs in Japan are not as common as in like uh some other countries mm. and to have uh connections with those people, most likely antisocial people mm. probably have some connections with yakuzas and and stuff mm. yeah it's yeah. it's quite
0: you know a slippery road <laughs> I guess so yeah when you when you put it like that. Um, and that, yeah, that kind of brings me on to an interesting point. As we mentioned in the story, right, the, the street value of 20 grams of weed, which is like nothing, 20 grams. Oh, yeah. So yeah, the street value in Japan was 120,000 yen uh, for the same amount in America or England. Uh, I had to Google this last night because obviously it's, uh, I guess the, it fluctuates
1: <laughs> fairly often. It's <laughs> interesting.
0: Depending on like the flavor that you buy, uh, it's around two to three hundred dollars Mm. And in the the UK, it's 200 pounds, but that's about $300 for the same amount. So in Japan, the drug is four times as valuable, Mm. which would also imply, like you say, only kind of the worst kind of people will be doing it and growing it and distributing it.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. What's funny is that um, he just played a role as an instructor of the police academy, just oh, okay. a few days before he got arrested. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and as you also mentioned in the news section, right? Yeah. He also played the, the main character of uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Taro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as well, so.
0: Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know him, but then I when I saw his face, I recognized him because I've seen that movie. Oh, the, you, you did? The live action, yeah. Oh, nice. I saw it in the cinema. Okay, I didn't understand a word of it, but okay. like I know the story already, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, I went, went to see it with my wife, but um, because I knew I knew the story, I could follow along okay pretty well. When I saw his face, then I could like envisage him with like the white cap because mm. he's like season four JoJo uh, Taro. Oh, I see. Oh, so he's, I got, like, he's got the white. Okay, the white it wasn't suit. season three. Yeah. Mm. So basically, this movie follows the story from season four, which is set in Moriocho town, with uh, JoSuke as the main character, but Taro turns up kind of midway through. And uh, yeah, he's got his kind of classic white suit on compared to the the black suit that he wears in Stardust Crusaders. Uh. It's the same kind of uh, get up, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, Jotaro was the main character of the season three. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought kind of the guy suited the look, you know? Kind of. Even though he's not like ripped. Mm. The the Jojo characters are all just tanks, aren't they? Mm. (laughs) They're all massive. (laughs) But like when I saw him in the cosplay and stuff, I thought the whole cast of that movie actually, they, they were kind of they fit the part. I thought it was pretty oh. cool. So yeah, like with all these uh, celebrity drug scandals, uh, it doesn't look like it's a good ending unfortunately for Isaiya-san.
1: Right. It's a shame and just don't do
0: wheeze in Japan. Mm. Okay, so let's move on to our third story of the week. A peach aviation flight out of Hokkaido bound for Kansai was forced to land in Niigata this Monday when a man refused to wear a mask. All airlines have requested that passengers wear masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and as reported by the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure, Transport and Tourism, this is the first time that the request to wear a mask has become an issue on a domestic flight in Japan. According to the airline and other passengers on board, because the man refused to wear a mask, passengers were moved to other seats and the flight departed as normal. After this, however, the man started to become more aggressive and began shouting things like, It's unscientific! and Write it down if you're going to demand it! in reference to wearing a mask on the plane. When his shouting continued, the captain decided to make a temporary landing in Niigata. The captain asked the crew to request the man to get off the plane, to which he cooperated. As a result of the unscheduled stop, the plane, which held around 120 passengers, was delayed by over two hours. Unscientific. (laughs) (laughs) What is this guy on about? Like, what a nut job. (laughs)
1: yeah allegedly this guy demanded scientific proof uh but what's ironic is that this type of guy usually is the most unscientific person Mm. you know refuses to accept any logics, Mm. and you know who just believes what he wants to believe
0: this is the kind of man that probably believes the earth is flat right or like you know the moon's not real. There's all these kind of crazy conspiracy. Theories. Yeah,
1: I mean, science or logic is nothing to just them, out of the window. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not the first case
0: we've seen in Japan of you know people refusing to wear masks, but mm. I think it's probably a first for like a a flight being redirected. Yeah. Um.
1: Well, it's pretty it's not, crazy, not right? redirected because mm. uh, it was on the almost the halfway between like Hokkaido and Osaka. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. kind of already you got the just a slight diversion. Yeah, yeah, slight di- diversion. <laughs> okay, right. okay. But I think uh, the captain has made the very right decision. Mm. Yeah, I admire his uh, courage and mm. leadership to, to make the emergency landing. Because uh, if he doesn't, then it kinda sets the bad standard or mm. you know, bad example. You know, if you keep like shouting and complaining, then you don't need to wear the mask in the yeah. public place. And especially on the flight, you mm. know, where, like, people are packed and in, enclosed, in right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I totally agree. It's kind of how it is is—not the UK and the US. You know, people just complain until they get their own way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really admire this guy just being like, no, this is ridiculous. Mm. I don't need to give you evidence because it's already been proven by, like, millions of scientists, mm. you know. And especially in Japan as a country, you guys have been wearing surgical masks in flu season mm. to prevent the spread of flu, right? Yeah. For how many years, like… That's because it works, right? Mm, mm. It's so ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why it's a shame that this happened in Japan. Mm. You know? And it's also kind of like unbelievable yeah. that this man is still not arrested. Did you know that? No, no. I mean- is there a charge? Can can he technically be charged for? This? I think uh, if the airline uh, sues him, mm. then he could be arrested for the forcible obstruction of business. Yeah, but I think the airline is also thinking about their their branding as well. Yeah, and most of the Japanese corporations uh, that you know offer these kind of like services mm. are quite like soft on their customers. Yeah. So it's it's really up to the
0: company, I guess. Yeah, he's the kyakusama uh, or oh, kami-sama, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
1: you know as we kind of discuss, like it's been changing these days. Uh, it, you know, yeah, it's no longer that customers are gods, mm. and people are starting to notice it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but as a matter of fact, like 120 people were affected by this mm. emergency landing, and they've more or less uh incur some some losses you know of course, either yeah. like either or uh time like money wise
0: yeah yeah you know you know actually i was on that flight and i was going to Osaka to mm. sign a big deal with an oil baron for trillions of yen trillions trillions yeah Wow. tens of trillions so i think <laughs> i should be uh reimbursed yeah at least i don't know i only asked for 10 percent of the deal that's fair Okay, yeah, so well, maybe I'm, a couple of uh trillions. Just a couple of, yeah, I'm not greedy. Oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. you know, I was deaf. Don't ask for tickets, I lost them.
1: Mm. Don't ask
0: for anything any mm. proof because I lost mm. it all. Mm. But that would be that would be too scientific to what, ask for proof. Were yeah. we having the, <laughs> a phone
1: call? Um during that No, thing?
0: no, no, no. That was my twin you were talking to. Oh
1: Jolion. Jo- jo- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. Uh, good luck with the, the lawsuit. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hope you win. I could do
0: with a few trillion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously this story is kind of ridiculous, right? Mm. But I thought there was, there kind of is a small silver lining. So many people in Japan have been shocked by this man's behavior, mm. right? But that's because this behavior in Japan is unusual. Of course. So you, that's kind of what I see as the silver lining. It's like, okay. it's outrageous, but it's rare. Because in, like, in the UK, for example, this kind of thing is, like, almost a daily occurrence. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, like, maybe not the plane being landed, mm. but just people out in public with no regard for other people's safety, oh, yeah. refusing to wear masks, mm. just being dicks, basically, mm. causing a scene, and then eventually getting their own way mm. because they just refuse to back down. Right. So, like, as much as, like, maybe Japanese people might detest this man and think that is outrageous – I think you should all consider yourself lucky to <laughs> mm. <laughs> so live in a society where most people mm. follow the rules.
1: Yeah, you know? I I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean um, I've lived abroad for many years, you know, in mm. several different countries. But yeah, I actually feel lucky that I I'm based in Japan now, you yeah. know, during the COVID crisis. Yeah. I feel more safe living in a society where people really care about like others Mm. i mean sometimes it's it's a bit too much you know Mm. people think like too much about like causing harm to others yeah that's yeah there is a bit of a downside to it it. but yeah yeah. for this kind of uh during this kind of crisis Mm. it's a good thing for sure yeah definitely so on to some entertainment news next
0: kohaku uta Gassen, or more commonly known simply as kohaku is an annual new year's eve television special that is broadcast by NHK and airs live on national TV, radio and some international TV programs simultaneously. The show splits the most popular music artists of the year into two different teams, with the red team consisting of all female artists and the white team consisting of all male artists. At the end of the program, both the judges and audience vote on which group had the best performance. For artists, an invitation to participate in Kohaku is considered a milestone in their career due to the large reach of the program which has been broadcasting annually since 1953. However, this Thursday, NHK announced that this year's Kohaku Utagasen will be held without an audience for the first time in history. The television broadcast will also be shortened by 15 minutes compared to other years. More details about this year's unique Kohaku are expected to be released closer to the date. But for now, the station has stated that we will take thorough measures to avoid infection of the performers and staff with coronavirus. So I think this is news that probably doesn't surprise anybody, Mm. you know, because of the current situation of the world. Right. Um, But I myself have never actually seen this show. Um, I've only heard of it. Oh, really? I've heard of it many times, but Mm. I've just never watched it. (laughs) Maybe I've just seen clips. Mm. Uh, Could you maybe tell me a little bit more? Tell the audience a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So uh, most people in Japan simply refer to this event as kohaku. Mm. And ko means red Mm. and haku means white. Oh, okay. So, yeah, as you explained, mm. uh, you know, male artists and female artists like split into two groups. Sure, sure. And they kind of like compete, you know, uh, based on the performance. Mm. And at the end of the show, uh, the audience gets to vote. Oh, okay. You know, which team performed better.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, yeah kohaku, that makes sense. So Uta is sing, song, right? Yeah. Uh, what's gassen?
1: Uh, gassen or uh, katsen uh, means a battle. Oh okay. Yeah. So
0: like singing battle. Oh okay, makes sense. Uh-huh, yeah. Thing. Red white singing battle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very logical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was almost like a Super Bowl of Japan, you know. Oh, okay. uh, It used to be the TV show that's got the highest, like, ratings Mm. throughout the year. Yeah. And I just found this number on Wikipedia. Mm. But in 1960s, Mm. uh, the highest ratings it's got was 81.4%. Oh, wow. So it means that more than, you know, uh, if there are, like, 100 televisions, then more than, you know, 80 of them were like tuned into Kohaku, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh, wow. And still today, I think it was last year, uh, the ratings was uh, like around like 40%. Mm. So it's almost that like uh, one out of two people in Japan are tuning in on Kohaku uh, on yeah. the New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess like for someone who's like just looking at the numbers, that might seem like a big drop-off, right? But when you consider like, how much stuff was on television in the 60s. Mm. It wasn't a lot of stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah. And,
1: you know, as you imply, like now we have like Netflix, YouTube, you know, all all the other kind of entertainment. Yeah. But still, like people watch uh, Kohaku. Yeah, that's interesting. Because uh, I think the biggest like selling point is that uh, they have the most uh, trendy artists Mm. uh, of that year. Yeah, yeah. But I guess
0: like in that way, it's like, it's almost built itself into this brand now where like they don't have to try and get the artist to come on. Right. The yeah. artists want to be on that show mm-hmm, because they mm-hmm. consider it like an mm-hmm. honor. Right. Right. So it's almost just like, like a self, you know, funding, self fueling machine that just mm-hmm. keeps rolling, you mm-hmm. know, because people want to be part of it. Right. That's kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: And I think people still prefer the live uh, performance by the mm. artists than the recorded ones. Yeah. So, for example, the one you told me, uh, Gurenka sang by Lisa. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's got almost like 70 million views. Yeah. You know. It's and crazy, right? Yeah. Half but, of those are me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really like that song. That's a great performance.
1: <laughs> right. And um, what, what I found interesting is that you can listen to her song everywhere, mm. you know, on, on Spotify or, mm. you know, and it's perfectly recorded. Mm. But I think... The reason why many people love this video still is that uh, it's quite real, you mm. know. It's first take, and there is no uh, post and like edit yeah. thing. Yeah, I think people enjoy the the live like real action mm. by the the musicians or artists in, oh, in general. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think like live albums are still quite popular, right?
1: Mm. For like, a mm. lot of
0: artists, right? You know, I personally don't listen to them. I prefer it to sound perfect. <laughs> oh, me too, actually. But, but if, I think, yeah, yeah,
1: generally they do sell quite a lot mm. you know, from any genre. Mm. So I think the strength of Kohaku is there too, mm. you know. They gather the most like, popular artists of today mm. and they let them perform live. Mm. So that that's probably why they still boast
0: the, the high ratings. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, for this time, obviously, they'll be performing on stage. And just there won't be any crowd there, right? Mm. Um, but mm, it's not the end of the world. I can imagine it being kind of disheartening if you are one of the artists. Mm, um, mm. But at least they didn't have to cancel the whole event. Yeah, you know, yeah that's the, the whole sil- thing, silver lining, you know, right? totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, you know, over the last few months, a lot of performers have kind of been developing ways to do this, you know, kind of thing mm. live, you know. Um, do you know uh, Miavi? That kind of big rock guitarist in Japan, right? How do you know him? Uh, I've taught some songs to some students. He's quite quite big, right? Mm. I mean, even if I hadn't, I think I would have heard of him by now. Um, But yeah, I actually found his YouTube channel uh, a few weeks ago. Mm. It just kind of popped up in my feed, actually. But he was doing like a live broadcast. He's got like a little studio in his house. And that was pretty cool, yeah. He just had like a webcam and he was just like talking to the audience and stuff. And then he's like, oh, what song do you want to hear? Mm. And then, you know, he just like, every, every, between every song he was just chatting and then he'd be like, oh, okay, you, you, you guys want to hear this song, whatever. And he, you know, he has like tracks and stuff he can play mm-hmm. from his computer. And he was just in like a custom set list and just playing through the songs and, you know, singing and stuff. Oh, cool. It was really cool, yeah. And uh, it, it sounded good. Mm. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, mm. This might be the first uh, kohaku utagasen I actually watch. Because mm, mm. like I said, I've never checked it out before, but now, now it's kind of piqued my interest, you know, right, right. <laughs> checking it out. Um so
1: yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Hmm. I mean, uh, they've got many uh anime song singers these days oh, okay. to attract uh, the young audience as well. All right. And I bet
0: Lisa will also be on the show. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Mm. Cool. Okay, so let's move on to our random story of the week. You may think that proper chopstick etiquette should be your biggest worry before having a meal in Japan, but did you ever consider your onigiri manners? Michiko Honda, an etiquette coach and vice-principal of Infinity Finishing Academy in Fukuoka City, has shared some rules for eating the iconic rice ball snack that has left even Japanese people debating what is right. According to Honda, when eating an onigiri, the bitten portion must never be shown, as it is unsightly. Also, when taking a bite, one should keep their onigiri horizontal to their mouth afterwards so as not to show the bitten portion. Splitting it in half and taking bites is also not an option. If rice manages to get stuck on your hands while eating, as it so often does, the natural response may be to lick it off. However, according to Honda, any rice that gets on the hands should be wiped off with a hand towel. Furthermore, any onigiri included in a bento box are assumed to be eaten with chopsticks. But these onigiri etiquette rules are not followed by the majority of people in Japan. Onigiri are usually seen as a casual food that can be eaten on the go if needed. So, yeah, certainly an odd story. Mm-hmm. to kind of uh, finish up our show here. But <laughs> just, yeah, just odd. I don't think I've ever eaten onigiri with chopsticks. <laughs> Me neither. Um, and I've never seen Japanese people
1: doing that either. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to start, but uh, I've been eating onigiri since a small child. Mm. And I've never heard of such rules. Right. You know, that's my short answer. And not just me, but many people on Twitter mm. are saying that there's no such thing as the proper way of eating onigiri. Yeah. Because as you mentioned uh, Onigiri is meant to be a fast food, you mm. know? It's something you eat on the go yeah. when you don't have, like, much time. Sure, sure. But still need to, like, get some, like, uh carbohydrates and, you know, get, like, enough energy yeah. uh, for the day. Definitely. Mm. I just saw the, the original, like, blog article mm. written by this uh, person. And it, it really is quite funny, you mm. know? So she starts by saying, in order to fully enjoy the taste of onigiri, you must eat beautifully. You may not want to worry too much about small things and just get a bite of onigiri. However, there are a few things you would want to follow. <laughs> and and then like you know, first make the bite mark on onigiri like unnoticeable. Yeah, and you know, use use chopsticks and things like that. But it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So th- there are lots of
0: shapes and sizes onigiri, right? Mm. There come in lots of varieties. But whenever I hear the word onigiri, I immediately go to the classic like triangle shape. Yeah, that's the most classic, you know, right. like hundred yen Family Mart special. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So like those are pretty big and pretty dense. So mm. like it's not impossible to pick them up with chopsticks, but it's very inconvenient, right? And it's very difficult. Like once you take the first bite, it kind of because they're wrapped in seaweed, right? Uh-huh. Once you break the the nori the wrap, uh-huh. it starts to fall apart because uh-huh. it loses its like structural integrity <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. so one of the reasons you, to eat it with your hands as well is that you can kind of keep it all together
1: right in one piece mm. <laughs> yeah it very... kind of defeats the whole purpose i think yeah yeah and um when you also a popular like snack mm. uh you know when you go out for a picnic mm. but yeah if we need to like follow her rules mm. then you know, it means that we may need to carry the the chopsticks. Oh, mm. uh, with onigiri. <laughs> you know, it's like what's what's the point?
0: Yeah, that's it. You you leave in the house and you like you know wallet, phone, keys, chopsticks.
1: Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Make sure they're all prepared. You know, I must admit that there are many rules and protocols uh, in Japan where it comes to eating certain types of food. Mm. So, for example, uh, mo- probably the most famous one is sushi, right? Mm. The way you kind of like uh, hold it and dip sushi into like soy sauce mm. and stuff and put like uh, wasabi mm. there are some like specific uh, protocols yeah, uh, yeah, I mean even though like you don't need to like follow all of them yeah. there are some like guidelines to it
0: right but even those are designed to like enhance the flavor right mm-hmm. so like you know you don't you're not really supposed to put soy sauce on the rice mm. or like you know if you put the wasabi under the fish or on top of the fish or whatever
1: exactly yeah
0: but I don't know. Just eating hungry with a chopstick. It doesn't (laughs) (laughs) eating hungry with chopsticks. It doesn't enhance the flavor at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. But you know, the way I see it is that um, you know, if you create new rules or manners on Mm. certain things, right? Then of course you become the expert of those rules, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they are set by you. True. Yeah. So I. See it as a scam, you know? Yeah, that's what I feel like. Yeah, she, she's, she's trying, just trying to, like, to create a new business or
0: become a, yeah. a new like authority. It's like Scientology for Onigiri. She's mm. trying to make a new cult. <laughs> that's what I was thought. Like, when I saw like Infinity Finishing Academy, it sounds like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? The yeah. name is just I like, like no yeah. meaning.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also Infinity and Finishing mm. are like opposites, right? Yeah. It Infinity doesn't end. <laughs> contradicts itself. Yeah. <laughs> the first red flag.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Obviously, I can't have, a, you know, I can't have a native opinion as Japanese, but it looks like a lot of people on Twitter agree with your opinion, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, some, some kind of comments here. Mm. Um, onigiri is eaten by hand. It's not designed to be elegant, <laughs> which is completely true, right? Yeah. That's why it's just like a brick, <laughs> like a brick of rice. Uh-huh. Um One guy says, what? It's going to look a lot worse if the rice ball breaks and falls when you're trying to halve it. Which again is true because they're too big, right? Yeah, just too big. Uh, One person, I like this person's comment, they're trying to compromise. They say, uh, maybe they should make rice balls bite-sized to avoid all this confusion. (laughs) (laughs) So they're not really like, you know, um, kind of protesting this person's uh, advice, but they're just saying, you know, well, maybe make them more compatible <laughs> with chopsticks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would agree with a lot of these. And one thing I would say is like, most onigiri is like a hundred yen, right? So like, I think like having a proper way to eat something has a direct correlation to the price, right? Mm. The more like expensive food is, the more you treat it with respect, I find. But like, I doubt like I don't know, the old lady who like made your onigiri into <laughs> <laughs> like factory in the middle of nowhere... It's gonna like walk past you in the street and be like mm. shaking her head like I made that I made that agree
1: <laughs> and I, you're not eating it with chopsticks. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, mm. generally the, there is a correlation between the the price and the number of like protocols that you need to follow, right? <laughs> so yeah, I mean the most uh, obvious examples may be the French restaurant, mm. right? There are many you know, rules that you need to follow. Uh, the way you use like chopstick. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Not chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> the way you use uh, fork and knife. Yeah, also. true. Like yeah, like European napkin. restaurants, you have
0: like six different types of knife and fork. Mm. and You know, you can't use the dessert spoon for like soup or whatever. And it's, mm. it's very confusing. I yeah. don't know all those rules because I never go to those kind of restaurants. But
1: yeah.
0: It is, yeah. It's like the more expensive
1: the meal is, the more confusing it becomes. Mm. <laughs> and i I think every culture has that kind of uh like rules i think so yeah Mm, but yeah for onigiri yeah a bit (laughs) bit overkill Mm, overkill (laughs) yeah maybe
0: that's the word so that wraps it up for all the news stories this week let's move into our final segment of the show word of the week
1: Okay, so today I'm going to introduce you an interesting wasei ego or Japanese English phrase. As always, wasei ego is a Japanese language expression based on English words that do not exist in standard English. The word of the week is my pace or my pace. Have you heard of this one? I have heard of this word. Mm, so can you, ex- can you explain? Uh, well,
0: actually, this, this one is quite self explanatory. It's like going at your own speed, right? It's like your, your pace, my pace. It's, uh, no,
1: that's the tell, way. It, tell me more.
0: That's I don't, That's the way I've heard it before. It's like, um, it's like doing it in a way that you are comfortable with. Mm. Like my pace. I mean, I don't know if there's more like subtle meaning to it. Yeah, but that's the way that I've heard it being. Yeah, used Yeah,
1: of course, you know, it's uh, derived from English. Yeah, you know, so uh, it's it's of course not not too off. Mm. It's almost right. But as you as you said just now, there are like subtle like nuances, right? Okay. Um, so my my is a word that's often used to describe like other people around you. So for example, if someone tells you, uh, Julian tsugoi my pesde oni," then mm. like what what do you think about that? Oh, if you say it in
0: that way, um, it's me more like I'm being like inconsiderate to other people. I'm just doing it at my own speed, but I'm not paying attention to what's around me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that kind of how it sounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, if I need to choose between positive or negative, mm. then it's slightly negative. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but Japanese people generally like people that can conform to the society. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, groups groups of people, mm. right? And many of them actually don't like eccentric people with unconventional or sometimes innovative thinkings. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, especially if your boss like tells you, uh, Kimi mm. wa my pace You know, you're really my pace. Yeah. Yeah. Then, yeah. you know, you may want to double check what he or she really means. Oh, okay. Because it can mean like, I mean, it can still mean positive. Uh, yeah. in a way that you you have your own pace and you're not easily affected by like others, yeah yeah, but at the same time, you know, as I was saying, like traditionally uh, okay. Japanese society or Japanese people don't favor uh, such people mm. and what's also interesting, I think is that the word my is also used in the second person or the third person, oh okay, so he is. My pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you are. Anata wa. Yeah, yeah. My pace.
0: You wouldn't say like, my pace de, because you're not going at your pace. Or could you say that?
1: Like, uh, yeah, you, you'll you never say like your pace yeah, or yeah, yeah, his yeah. pace. Yeah, yeah, right?
0: like, yeah. Like he is my my pace. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Like it's, an adjective. Like, yeah, that's know? what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Mm. You know, it's kind of funny actually, because I I think the last time I heard that word being used, it was actually a gaijin that used it. So maybe... They used it incorrectly, and perhaps oh, yeah. that that gave in you, Japan. Mm, maybe that gave me the wrong impression. So uh. like a friend of mine, actually, oh yeah, he was just talking to his girlfriend, and we were just joking around, and he ca- called her my piece
1: uh. or something like
0: that. But it kind of, it's kind of what you're talking about. As he, he said it as a joke, uh. and you know we were all laughing about right, it, right, right, right. But now I'm thinking, like, oh yeah, maybe he used it mildly, like incorrectly. Even though we all understood, we all laughed about it. Uh But maybe, yeah, maybe it was used without the subtlety that you're implying it has. Yeah,
1: (laughs) But um, I would also say that the Japanese society and the way people think Mm. are also changing. Sure. And, you know, we're finally starting to notice that we need to have more ideas from outside, Mm. uh, from people you know, really unique people mm. uh, with unique ideas sure, sure. that can change the the society and yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like, you know, to keep like evolving and innovating. Mm, definitely, yeah. So that's why it's not as negative as it was in the past, mm. but yeah, you, you kind of get the the nuance, right? Yeah, sure. If you think of like a
0: MyPace celebrity, mm. who's the first person that comes to your mind?
1: Maybe it sounds like a very random example, mm. but it just you know came into my head. So you know, uh, Connor McGregor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the the UFC yeah. World champion. Yeah, he's he's very my pace, right? Oh, he's super my pace. Yeah, yeah he's got a very <laughs> strong style. He yeah. keeps like mocking and uh, provoking his opponents, but yeah. he himself, I think, is quite like my pace.
0: Yeah, he's, his behavior is very
1: calculated, mm. but he's kind of against the grain. Uh, he's very, like, tactical in yeah, like, yeah. controlling his like, opponent's mindset. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can attribute that to his uh, Maipassu, uh personality or yeah, you know, yeah. nature, too. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Mm.
0: Well, that's all for this week in Japan. Whichever platform you're listening to us on, make sure that you're subscribed for a new episode
1: every single week. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're also releasing new videos every week on our YouTube channel, so search for Real Tokyo and find us there.
0: Okay, everyone, so stay healthy, stay safe, and if anyone calls you my pesu, then be sure to double check your behavior (laughs) and make sure to fall in line with society. And be sure to check back next week for the very next episode of This Week in Japan.